another episode of quantum recast i'm your host Corey, and with me uh from the beginning is nick hey and joining us today is uh the uh co-host of our last two episodes uh ash hurry hey and cass hi i like to just say cass from delaware i'd like to say just cass from delaware honestly like, no just, <laughs> because you're from a state that everyone forgets if people were like naming states <laughs> Delaware is one of those ones that get like to the twenties, and they just—it's like okay, it's the first state. I like Delaware because Friends made it popular because that's the one they forget, and now I always remember it. See, love for Delaware. Thanks. I guess I haven't seen Friends like enough to—I didn't know there was a connection to Delaware. Definitely not. Yeah, yeah. They they had to name the fifty states, and Delaware was the one that he forgot. So, kind of prove your theory. There you go. Okay, there you go. But now, but now, no one forgets it because of that episode. That. Is amazing. Well, okay. Um, if this is your first time in Quantum Recast, um, what we do here is we take a film and we uproot it out of its original release year and we drop it in a new release year and then we give it a fresh new relevant cast to that new year. So if you clicked on this, you clicked on Face Off, but also next to it, 2008, which is 11 years after its original release. So we're going to give it a, um, a more 2000 naughties cast. But before we dive into Face Off and the year that was 2008, um, just a a little um, house cleaning here. We are on all the social medias. You can find us there um, at Quantum Recast where you'll get updates and little fun, I don't know, engagements. We ask top fives. We we ask your opinion on things. We we sometimes read them. We communicate. We interact. (laughs) Sometimes we make fun of what you say. Sometimes we're like, oh, they should be hosting this podcast. But uh, before we dive into uh, this week's episode, has anybody watched anything like interesting this week? I watched a very weird film. You guys might have seen it. It's from a director called Gus Van Sant, who did Goodwill Hunting. But before that, he did like My Own Private Idaho, and he did a few films. But this one I watched was called Elephant, and it's a very unusual film based on the Columbine shootings, um, and it's. very interestingly shot and it's just a story of the day leading up to the shootings i just stumbled upon it and i couldn't stop watching it just because of how he shot it and i definitely recommend it 
it's a very interesting film and I really, really digged it. So if you haven't seen it, it's called Elephant, which I think it's called that because of the elephant in the room. So ah. yeah, it's really well shot. I loved it. I don't has anyone seen it? No. That sounds mm-hmm. interesting. I own it. I've never watched it. It's got a it's, it's very interesting, Corey. Like it's very unusual the way it's done. Um, I know it's got the blonde kid from uh, Lords of Dogtown, and it's the only other yeah, yeah, he's, he's in it. Yeah, and, <laughs> so yeah, there's um, a, there's a few unknowns in it. There's not much dialogue. It's just following kids around the school. That's all it is. Cass, did you watch anything besides The Last of Us? Because I'm going to watch that every week. Um, I watched the movie uh, The Hate You Give that came out in 2018. Okay. Uh, it has a decent amount of people in it. It has Regina Hall in it. It has Anthony Mackie. It has Common. Okay. So it's this whole thing where she ended up witnessing one of her childhood best friends get killed by oof. police violence. And it was it was just it was a rough movie. I enjoyed the movie, but it's it, it was just that moment where am I supposed to enjoy this? Cause it's just hard to like see what, what does happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was a good, it was a good movie, but it was definitely really hard to sit through without yeah. getting angry the entire time. Wow. Cool. Um, yeah. Okay. School shootings, racially charged police murder. Nick, did you watch anything more <laughs> happy? <laughs> well, <laughs> I had uh, some, some bonding time with my father this last week. Uh, I, Aww. we watched a dad movie and we watched Ford versus Ferrari <laughs> and oh. can confirm it is a dad movie. You know, I have to measure what my dad's interest in a movie because he has his desk in our old house turned away from the TV and usually I'll sit down and watch a movie and the more interested he is the more the chair turns around he was in pretty much from the get go and he he recognized every car he would he'd, he'd do the leo meme thing oh that's a that's a cobra <laughs> uh, no it was it was actually a good movie and i i enjoyed it i've been meaning to watch it for a while and it just it popped up and i was like let's get this going so mm-hmm. recommend is did that he, the uh, uh, the he... Matt Damon Christian Bale one? Yes. Yeah. 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 Did he do the dad thing where he pointed out that Tracy Letts is in the movie and he's from our area? I was actually <laughs> one that pointed it out. I was like, "Oh, that's Tracy Letts." <laughs> uh, I watched a movie from 1939 called Five Came Back. I don't know. It just I came across it on streaming. Um, it mainly has Lucille Ball in it. Um, before she was oh. Lucy. Um, okay. but it's essentially a plane crash. Uh, in like the South American jungle, and it's almost like a flight of the phoenix. They like are gonna rebuild the plane to get yeah. out of there, but you know, there's all this like uh, um, obviously infighting and stuff, and it's got a okay. really depressing ending. I'm not gonna give it away. I think people should watch it, but it's a really depressing ending. But like, what it is is like eleven people, and when they rebuild the plane, they're like only five can get on. Yeah, oh wow! It can only hold five people, and so it's kind of one of those movies. Um, I have a child. <laughs> well, all right, okay. So, um, we all have recommendations this week. No, we didn't. Nobody watch anything bad. That's good. That means we're going to dive into Face Off. And if you've been with us from the beginning, you know that this is actually our first episode. But it was time to take another stab at Face Off, and we'll dive into that a little bit. But before we do that, uh, let's look at just the uh, the useless critic stats of Face Off. Face Off, originally released in 1997, uh, written and uh, written uh, by Mike Werb and Michael Caleri, but directed by John Woo, who was on fire in the 90s. And this is possibly yes. the peak. This might be peak John Woo. 
just you know explosions and doves everywhere and a lot of John Travolta yeah. Nicholas Cage. Mm-hmm. So IMDb gives it a seven point three out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes gives it an eighty two percent audience score. And again, the often rare better <sighs> critic score of ninety two percent. Critics wow. love this movie. I love it. Metacritic of eighty two out of a hundred. Letterbox three point four. In Roger Ebert gave it three stars. Even wow. Ebert was in it. Wow. This I, I was actually shocked to see that this movie was as critically like accepted. Yeah. <laughs> it's a movie <laughs> about John Travolta and Nicolas Cage switching faces. Just bonkers. <laughs> it's like a B movie with A-listers. And I think that's why it came yes. off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was I was shocked as I was writing these down. I was like, "Wow, people!" I mean, I love it, but that that's in that's like in vogue with me. Like that that's just my thing. But I, you know, this seemed like the type of thing critics would be like, "This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen." What a rocking good time! Everyone just committed, and it was into the into the idea. I, you know, I guess people just needed it in '97. They didn't know they needed it until they saw it, and they were like, "That's yes, yeah." But before before we dissect <laughs> face off uh, and, and what it means to us personally, we are taking this to 2008, and so we have to look at the cinematic landscape that was 2008. We have to kind of see. I mean, we're if we're going to give face off a good cast in a 2008 version, we got to see what was happening. We got to see what's going on in 2008. So, what were the people watching? The top box office the top 10 at the box office in 2008 was number 10 horton hears a who number nine quantum of solace number eight madagascar escape to africa i guess that's (laughs) because it was part two um number seven twilight number six kung fu panda number five wally four hancock Three, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And then number two and number one, starting the superhero craze that we are still in, was Iron Man at number two and The Dark Knight at number one. 2008 is kind of where it completely shifted. Mm. This is the peak of of, of the 2000s animation for DreamWorks especially. And, And this is during Pixar's big run. Which lasted forever. Did Kung Fu Panda beat Wally? Didn't it at the Oscars? Uh, no, I think Wally won. Uh, okay, okay, maybe maybe it's just everybody wanted. Everybody was maybe as a bit rooting for the underdog that was um, Kung mm. Fu Panda. I think you're the one that was rooting for Kung Fu Panda, Corey. <laughs> maybe I was. <laughs> maybe I was Panda watching. Like, come on. It so it was good. It was surprisingly good. Yeah, I enjoyed which it. Is pretty much what you could say about most DreamWorks movies. You're like, oh, I was surprised at how good that was. Well. Since we're putting on our tuxedos anyways and heading down the red carpet of the uh yeah. The Oscars. And by the way, Cass, you're also in a tuxedo. Um just it's required. It's That's fine. Cast attire. These these are the rules. We don't make them. Yeah, sorry. I was gonna say girls can wear tuxes too. Yeah, no, that's fine. We're just it's more of a budgetary thing. We're not buying you a really nice dress. <laughs> we're renting you a tux. <laughs> Just just for the record, I'm looking at animated feature film. Uh, there was only three nominees. It was Kung Fu Panda, Bolt, and Wally. Uh, I guess they I forgot screwed about Bolt. They Aww. screwed Horton. Here's a who there, the nom. Uh, Even though it was in the top ten. Um, but you're right. Wally won. Um, so the Oscars best actress in a supporting role was Penelope Cruz for Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Ooh. Best actor in a supporting role went 
posthumously to Heath Ledger for The Dark Knight. Mm. Actress in a leading role went to Kate Winslet for The Reader. And then actor in a leading role went to Sean Penn for Milk. And the Best Pictures, and it should be noted, this was the last year that they would cap Best Picture nominees at five. And they would, I mean, I don't know. Is there a cap or can as many now? Be? I think, yeah, 10 is the, the limit. Okay, 10 is the cap. They, uh, the nominees were The Reader, uh, Milk, Frost Nixon, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, and the winner, Slumdog Millionaire. Furious yes. about it at the time, but I've gone back and watched Slumdog Millionaire, and that is a yes. good movie. In a previous episode, Corey and I actually reviewed the Oscars of this year to see if we wanted to change some things. We can't believe it took all the Dark Knight's hype, and now we're like, it's it's okay. It's a good yeah, movie. It. It's good. I watched it, and I was like, oh man, I'm really like hooked. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I'm in. <laughs> Danny <So>. Boyle. <laughs> he's he's um yeah he's an interesting guy. He makes really small movies good. Yeah, I think he's not afraid to like jump around in genres and stuff like i saw sunshine a while back and it was really good too i think that's a really sunshine. underrated sci-fi movie for sure oddly enough the twin films the movies that hollywood doubled down on in 2008 there's really only one well i guess two mm-hmm. one of them kind of came out on the border of 2008 2009 there were two coco chanel biopics interesting i'm sorry there were three across 2008 2009 <laughs> There were three Coco <laughs> Chanel biopics. Um, As you do. Wow. Um, and then the only one that really just kind of like, uh, that just happened both in the same year was 27 Dresses and Maid of Honor, both rom-coms centering around weddings and loyal friends taking part as bridesmaids. They didn't have bride wars this, at this period of time. Both two rom-coms about that. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Um, oh, br- but Bride Wars was 2009, Corey, so it's not far off. Oh, it's not. Okay, yeah, it's just right there. All right. Man, it's like, I don't know. I think there's some conspiracy theory in Hollywood where there's just a think tank, and they're like, all right, three studios make some version of this, and one of them's bound to make money. So, well, speaking of 2008, did anyone here, um, anyone have any hidden gems that we haven't mentioned or things they want to see from 2008? Not all at once. Can't. Not all at once. <laughs> Did anyone study for the test today? <laughs> uh, be right back. I, I'm the student that kept her head down. Just but that means that you're going to get picked because you're not <laughs> making eye contact. <laughs> rookie, rookie mistake. Like, yeah. <laughs> the movies that I liked out of 2008, I won't say that they were my favorite, but Tropic Thunder, mm-hmm. The Ruins, Okay. and for a fun one, <laughs> Disaster Movie. <laughs> is that the yes. movie that's ranked on the 250 worst films on IMDb? Yeah. <laughs> it most likely is. It yes. literally, I think, has a like zero like percent. One point nine on IMDb, a fifteen for Metascore, and that's out of a hundred. Um, wow. Sounds generous, apparently. Carmen Electra's the top billed actress in this. Wow! In yeah, she she had a run in all these movies. Yeah. <sighs> She she was a, an assassin. Oh my gosh, what did she say? She said something about curve the bullet. So like when he curves the bullet, <gasps> oh it goes no. around her and oh like my. shoots her right in the head. <laughs> oh, kind of like in wanted, wanted reference. Yeah, yeah. which I think came <laughs> out that same year too. 
It did. It did. Yeah. I guess if you want to get an idea of 2008, go watch Disaster Movie because it looks like it has. <laughs> it looks like I'm looking at pictures of it, and it's got like Indiana Jones and Juno parodies. It's like it's referencing movies that just happened. So, well, speaking of Wanted, I did not put it on my list, but uh, the three movies that I have planned to watch when I have some time um, that I'd like to see are Be Kind Rewind with Most Deaf and Jack Black. Jack Black. Uh, Valkyrie, the Tom Cruise uh, Nazi movie, where like they're it's the inside job, I guess, where they're trying to either kill Hitler or take over or something. Yeah, and then and I'm gonna say this wrong, Ash, so please correct me. But in Bruges, in Bruges is in correct. Bruges. Yeah, yeah, okay, nailed. It. Amazing. In Bruges is actually on my list, so I am now crossing that off. But yeah, in <laughs> Bruges is uh yeah great film. Which uh, if you like that, then go watch the Banshees of Inner Sheeran, which is same director. I did watch that one, so it it, it drew my interest to come wa- back and watch In Bruges now. Ah, so. yeah, In Bruges is a nice hidden gem. Um, my free, I I picked a questionable free, but I just like the directors. So I watched. Um, there's a film called Burn After Reading, which was done by the Coen Brothers. Um, oh, that's fun. Which reunited yeah. George Clooney and uh, Brad Pitt. It's such a good film because the film doesn't follow a generic plot, and there's no, and it, all the characters are stupid. Yes. Um they're all stupid and they're trying to, you know, screw <laughs> each other over and it's really good. A few shocks and turns in that film as well. The other film that everyone I spoke to hated, but as time has gone on, people have I've actually liked it. Um is M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening that came out that year with uh, Mark <laughs> Wahlberg. <laughs> this is either really stupid or really ballsy to do a film like this in two thousand eight because he doesn't go by any generic rules of explaining what's happened or what's going on or how to do a movie. So I think it's, I think the thing about it at this point, he had become known as the guy with the twist in the movie. Yeah. And yeah. so it's almost like the whole movie is built on, you're expecting the twist to happen mm. and it, mm. there is no twist. And it's like, no, wait, no. the twist is that there is no twist. Yeah. So that's another one. And then another one was um, a really good world war two film called defiance. Um, it's got Daniel Craig, uh, Liev Schreiber, and Jamie Bell, and that's an incredible film. Um, it's a biopic on the you know the refugees of um, I think Poland or Hungary uh, living out in the woods and creating a civilization there during World War Two, and um, fantastic film, and I really liked it. Yeah, but yeah, those three films are very different, but yeah. So would recommend. I'm sure across this podcast, I've talked at length about how incredible Cloverfield was as a I was yes. about, I was just looking into yes. it right now too. Yeah. As a marketing campaign. It must be mentioned. Um <laughs> yeah. But the three movies I'm really I, okay, so here's the thing. I think 2008 just on glance ha- might be a low for comedy uh movies. Mm-hmm. I I just I don't know. It's just it's garbage. It's all bad. Uh it's like House Bunny, College um you know the love guru and don't mess with the zohan it's like even even the greats were like i don't know trying to figure stuff out house bunny's okay it's all right it's just like it's not zohan bad zach and miri make a porno that one was a letdown a little bit (laughs) nick are you let down that it wasn't a porno damn it wrong film (laughs) there was a It was not as wild as maybe it was sold itself as. So maybe so, that's the thing. And I mean, it's just like, I don't think Hollywood, I think they lost their way. 
They took a break. When people tell me like Step Brothers and Forgetting Sarah Marshall, like I when they tell me they love those movies, I'll give them those passes. I'm like, they're watchable and they'll make you laugh. So, but I'm going to give you three, I feel like, hidden gems of comedy that maybe got buried underneath all the other stuff. Okay. Rain Wilson made The Rocker, in which he plays like a drummer who got kicked out of a very yeah. successful band. It, it's mm-hmm. really watchable and fun. Um, Jim Carrey's the only heavyweight that I think did well that year. And he put out Yes Man, which I think is hysterical. Right. Um, and again, just really well made. And then Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, which I think is Michael Sarah firing yeah. on all cylinders. And like, I think it's just, it's this weird spiritual sequel or like film to Scott Pilgrim that's just more grounded. Okay. I, I, I need to watch that one too. I yeah. will say those three, if you're looking for something to laugh at in 2008, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only one. Like that's the Nothing cream else. that like, you know, 15 years later is the risen to the top. All right. So that's, that's 2008. But um, now we have to talk about Face Off. We get to talk about Face Off, Corey. Yes, yes, we get to talk about Facebook or Face Off. One of my favorite movies of all time, very easily. Nick, this is technically your pick, but I feel like I forced you to pick it a little bit. Uh, you, you coerced me. It, it made the most sense. You know, we have, we have our two uh, hosts here with us, our new, our new blood for the Quantum sh- Recast. And the way you <laughs> sold it, uh, Trial by Fire, we, we got to throw them into the deep end and really see if they could sink or swim here. I'm basically Leo in Titanic uh, right now. I, we, we both <laughs> might drown. Yes, one of, you, one of you will get on the door and the other will freeze and drown into the ocean. Nick, Nick, Nick and I lied. You're not both actually on the podcast. This is the equivalent of us in Joker makeup breaking the p- pool cue and saying we're going to have tryouts. And so, oh my whoever God. wins, whoever wins gets to be on Quantum Recast. Whoever loses will be shamed and mocked from every oh episode God. here on out. Forgotten no, and lost to history. I think it was it was just a fun thing for me and Nick. We kind of like said it's a rite of passage almost, like to go back and say, "Hey, y'all should go where we started." Like you know, like y'all should cast a movie that me and Nick casted on our first episode back when we had no rules and mainly we were just giving our own personal casts and yeah, but. It's also because Quantum Recast, the original idea was I, I just wanted a podcast where from 1970 to 2020, I was going to like talk about who would play Caster Troy and Sharn Archer each year of those years. But then it morphed into something far more interesting. Um, and so <laughs> I said, that's great. Let's build on that. Yeah. yeah. Nick, Nick's like, <laughs> I mean, we you could, but. But like, and I still think it's fun. But I, I, I did tell Nick years ago, I want Face Off to be a recurring episode every once in a while, just because I think Face Off is that movie that for ten years has been trying to be remade, and every year it's like, who would play the two leads? And so, um, we're finally redoing it after after years. Um, and we originally took it to 1988, I believe, and yep. we took it backwards, and now we're taking it forwards. But um, was this y'all's first watch of Face Off? No. no. Okay. All right. That's good. That's wow. good. Wow. Okay. Pass test one. You pass. You pass. You pass the first test. Okay. <sighs> Excellent. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I do have a question though. Is it your favorite Nicolas Cage trilogy in the nineties from The Rock, Con Air, and Face Off? Is this Ooh. your favorite one? We do refer to it as the Holy Trilogy of Cage. Mm, mm. I mean, I don't know that anyone's ever had a better back to back to back. Um, action run that Nicolas Cage did and 
I always appreciate that that's what Nicolas Cage chose to do after winning an Oscar. <laughs> it's yeah, like to yeah. say, like, all right, it's going crazy. Bring me action roles, and like the the crazier and more insane, the better. Um, and then John Travolta that weirdly had this, and he had Broken Arrow. I don't think he ever capped off a good third one, but he had he had a strong two. I just think the mid to late nineties is just the peak of action films in all honesty. Mm, and mm. I, I, and I love that they went from something that like B celebrities kind of did like the Van Dams and Seagulls. The fact that just Travolta and cage, like all of a sudden kind of paved yes. the way for guys like Cruz and stuff to also just say these huge a list actors can just go make these action. I, I love it. I think it's great. I think it's fun. And we still have Tom Cruise, you know, strapping himself to planes and stuff, you know, 30 years later. So it's certainly do. Do you guys enjoy this movie or did we force you to watch this? I guess is my only question. It's 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 a fun watch. It, it was nice, like rewatching it and actually because I watched it, I think, around the time that your guys's first episode came out. So just to get like an idea on what the movie was like, what the movie was. And it's just it's it's really fun. I really like seeing how like Nicolas Cage is in it and even with John Travolta playing as Nicolas Cage like with the um personality and stuff was also really fun but yeah I always enjoy it anytime it's on yeah yeah and I just to echo Cass yeah it, it was probably the 50th time I've watched it and <laughs> first time I watched it with my fiance and I asked my fiance who do you think the better villain is in this movie and obviously Nicolas Cage comes in straight as the villain all over the top. And she's like, <laughs> Nicolas Cage for sure. And then about an hour into the movie, hold on though, John Travolta's killing it at the moment. So, And we still couldn't make our minds up who the best villain was. And it was kind of like, that's why the film's so good. That's why the casting's it, so good. Yes. They both outdo each other. It's just a one-upmanship the entire time. Yeah. 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 It's just uh, it's hard to pick who the best villain or best hero is in this movie. You know, and I think I think for me, I do enjoy like the more I watch it to like concentrate on the subtleties that they in the mannerisms they do try to capture of the other because it's two very loud actors with a lot of idiosyncrasies that are very distinct to them. And I do like appreciate I mean, I think the I think that kind of the subtle greatness of the movie sometimes gets buried underneath the insanity of it. Mm. I just I do. I, I can sit there and watch it almost any day and just appreciate John Travolta. Like, I mean, just chewing scenery as trying to be Nicolas Cage and then you know Nicolas Cage <laughs> trying to ground himself a little bit but you know dance and and be weird and like and so it's just I love it <laughs> I'm I'm pretty excited to see what cast is coming um uh, this way um I I have no it's, I, I think it's big shoes to fill I, it's it's hard it's hard to to know what cast you guys brought this so <laughs> luckily I'm not the director that would be that'd be Nick um, hey. And so we always like to ask ourselves, does this movie change? Like, or how much does it change moving it around in time? Do you guys think the movie changes very much going from 1997 to 2008? I think it loses some of the slapstick action in 2008. So I think it becomes a little more sophisticated with the action sequences and Mm -hmm. with the scenes with, um, you know, the transition between uh, Castor and Sean with the surgery and when they're waking up, I think that will be more delicately handled with like a top tier director because another question I was trying to ask myself was who would be directing this movie in 2008? And that has a lot to do with the direction of how the you know the original goes because John Woo has a definite stamp on this movie. So 
Yes. It all de- yeah. it, this I, I feel like that is a very big question. Like whoever directs it, that's sort of where the direction goes with this movie. So the 2008, as we've discussed, is a booming year with superheroes, um, sophisticated action sequences, the birth of the superhero era, the Marvel era. So yeah, I think fundamentally it changes a lot. But like like I said, it depends on who directs it as well. Right. Yes. You you know that's that's a fascinating uh, thing because I feel like in 2008, like barring our own rules that someone can only make one movie i i think it's got to be nolan or eastwood in 2008 eastwood see see i disagree <laughs> i was going more the other way you got i michael was thinking bay. i was like i was like this is either michael bay or Zack snyder a hundred percent i had mo- i had michael bay in my head because this definitely has bayhem written all over it somewhere yes it does. absolutely it does. <laughs> i stand by my statement that michael bay and Zack snyder both function under the rule that as long as they're not dealing with a franchise that's when they're at their best that's true i just mm. i just don't want snyder directing it because i want to be able to see things um if it's not a shot <laughs> no, no, was this early snyder Corey? early snyder okay <laughs> okay um i i do i do think ash brings up a good point as well uh that it's i think we're gonna lose some of the magic that is face off which is a lot of real explosions actually wrecking boats and airplanes and then a lot of wires that are actually tossing stuntman stuntmen around because <laughs> you know um it'll that'll all be cgi'd and i think we lose a little yeah. bit of that magic taking the 2008 i just i think it's fascinating that in the 90s directors were like all right so we got to crash that boat into that thing um we get one shot at this folks <laughs> so, <laughs> get 12 cameras up yeah Exactly. All the GoPros on there. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating, but you know, that's great. I also don't think it would be R-rated in 2008 as well. I don't think it would survive it. I think it might be a 15, maybe even go down to a 12 in 2008, because it's a very family-friendly year, as you saw in the top top, top 10 box office. So. Not to get on a tangent here, but Ash, explain the rating system in the UK, because we <laughs> right. have a completely different yeah, system. We're all like, so, what are you talking about, 12 <laughs> Oh right, I've, I apologize. So okay, the max. I'll, I'll start from the top. So the maximum a film okay. can be is eighteen. So anyone above eighteen can only watch this film. So that's what I assume is the equivalent to R rated. Yes. And then you have PG and U, which are child films. Um, mm-hmm. Then there's twelve, and then there's fifteen. Fifteen. It's, it's the age. So you can't watch this film if you're below the age of fifteen. And the same with twelve as well. So. What is usually the difference between a 12 and 15? The 12 and 15 is a 12 can allow two swearing words and a 15 can okay. have a sex scene. Ah, okay. So American Pie, all the American Pie films in the 90s and early 2000s were all 15s. There was not one 18, they were all 15s. Got it. 18, when, you, when a film's 18, you're talking about gore, you're talking about carnage and like basic instinct kind of sex scenes instead of American Pie sex scenes. Interesting. Halloween violence instead of uh, Con Air violence. So yeah, there's a big, big debate on the classification in Britain. Now there's a 12A where you can watch a 12 if you're below the age of 12, but you have to be accompanied by an adult. So in England, Face Off was an 18, an R-rated movie. Was it an R-rated movie there? Yes, yes. Face Off is rated R. Oh, yeah. If it drops the F-bomb more than once, it's going to be rated R, and then it's also just, like, gore and things like that. Interesting. I think we have an allowance like, on the F-word as well, on the 15s, mm-hmm. not the 18s. With PG-13, they're allowed only one F-word. That's it. Really? Yeah. Nudity. 
Yeah, nudity shoots you right up to R. So. Right, right. Nick and I are firm believers that whatever Deadpool movie gets made by Disney that will be PG-13 is that Deadpool's waiting for the right time to use his one F-bomb. <laughs> one F-word, yeah. Time again. It, that's what I'm saying. When he eventually lands in a PG-13 movie, we want the whole running joke to be, when does he use his F-word? And I think one of the other characters should say it, Ike Holt. Yes, and, yeah, and then 100%. Deadpool's just super pissed. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> This is where the comet flies by, saying, "The more you know." Um, so we all we all we all learned a little bit more today. Um, feeling good. In fact, I don't think we have to cast this movie. I think we just wrap up. Just wrap, wrap it up. Call it good. Next week. Think about <laughs> ratings and all right. No, okay. Let's cast Face Off in two thousand and eight. Two thousand eight. Say it. Out loud. Mamma mia. I've got a light. I am Iron Man. I'm a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. Why so serious? You have arrived. Uh, Cass, Ash, you've been asked to cast this. Um, And Nick, you're going to direct. That's right. Ash and cast. Neither of you are first timers here, but I got to remind you the rules. Rule number one anyone you cast in 2008's Face Off must be alive in 2008. Rule number two they must be um, free. They can't be in prison or, you know, just unavailable. Rule number three they must be active. And we define that here on Quantum Recast as they have to have at least one acting credit on IMDb in 2008 or prior to. And then rule number four, anyone you cast in the 2008 version of Face Off will lose all major acting credits in feature films. We don't count TV or Broadway or anything like that, but any major role they had in a film in 2008, they will lose it. So just for the record, you can pilfer from comedy all you want. <laughs> I remember you th- I remember you saying that because that is going to affect my costume. <laughs> So, uh, Nick, you as the director, you have two power-ups. You have the old switcheroo, where, which means at any time during the casting, you can retroactively switch any two role or actors that are on the board and chosen. If you just kind of like looking at it, and you're thinking, hmm, I'm going to switch these things. And then your big power-up, which is the override, which at any point during the casting of that particular character, you can tell Ash and cast to go straight to hell, and you can put your own person <laughs> in there. You're kind of you're for the first time in a while, Nick. You're in this weird spot because you might save that for Caster or Sean, but you don't know who's coming, and so it's like right. you have an override, but you have no idea if it's going to work. Is, with- it is a difficult uh, situation to be in. We actually don't have a thirty seconds or less for this because it's relatively a small cast, correct? Mm-hmm. And so um, most we don't have a lot of peripheral characters. Uh, mostly, it's a lot of you know. It's a lot of cannon fodder. It's a lot of people getting shot. So we are actually just going to hop into our primary cast. Our cast that we will be casting is Jamie Archer, Sasha Hassler, Dietrich Hassler, Eve Archer, Pollux Troy, Sean Archer, and Caster Troy. I like that we give Nicolas Cage top billing because this is the holy. This is the holy trinity of Cage. He deserves it. You know who actually got like who who got the actual top billing in that movie? I wonder. Travolta! Uh, they gave it to oh, Travolta. Travolta! Travolta's name came wow. first. Yeah, I think because he's the main lead 
in it. He's the hero to the start The hero, with. yeah. Yeah, so That's I think, because he it begins and ends as the hero. So. Yeah, we'll just go with that. We'll just say that. Even though I like to think Nicolas Cage would have shown up with his Oscar on the set and been like... <clears throat> <laughs> You don't got one of these, do you? You didn't get that for Pope Bacon, did you? So, um, well, let's dive into this cast. Uh, starting with Jamie Archer. I'll have to call you back. You're not respecting my boundaries. I'm coming in, Janie. Janie? I don't think you heard me, Jamie. You've got something that I crave. Clarissa left those here. I won't tell Mom if you don't. When did you start smoking? You'll be seeing a lot of changes around here. Played by Dominique Swain, uh, and you might recognize her from Lolita or Alpha Dog. Alpha Dog's a very underrated movie. She is Sean Archer's daughter. Um, she, in the movie, is going through kind of a rebellious teenage phase. Um, she's smoking the cigarettes. She's rebelling. And that's because <laughs> no. she lost her baby brother, like, at a young age. Her baby, And it wasn't like, I mean... I, I, I sympathize with anyone that's lost a sibling at such a young age, but hers was literally shot in the head by a terrorist. That's that's a lot to swallow. You know, on a carousel, a like everything is just so sad. It's it's a it's a very sad opening scene in which a mustached Nicolas Cage shoots a child. And so it is a but it sets the tone, really. It's like this is the kind of movie you're 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 buckling up into. Yeah, she's just not getting the love and support from her parents that she needs because they are still not okay with what happened which who would be mm. if it, if your child was shot in the head man Cass that was so well said Face Off does not get <laughs> enough credit for the heavy family themes at work in this movie like it's it's got some it's 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 good it's good um but also she serves as this you know this this uh you know, this plot device where you're terrified the whole movie that Gaster Troy wearing her father's face would sexually mm-hmm. assault her. They yeah. set those scenes up a couple of times and you're like, no, 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 no. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's an awkward watch. It's a yeah. good suspicion that you're like, I hope he doesn't cross this line because he is insane. All right, Nick, you're the director. You get to choose who goes first. Uh, flipping my imaginary coin, I'm going to give Ash uh, first billing here. So, <laughs> thank you, Nick. Appreciate that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, yes. Right. <laughs> um, this was the hardest one for me um, for two reasons. Because the first day I tried casting this person, I was casting the son. Oh no! <laughs> and then I realized Jamie's the daughter, so I went there. And there was a few <laughs> names. That was uh, looking good to me. And I bring you a name that everyone is familiar with, especially now. But in 2008, I don't think she was quite known yet. She was in one film uh, prior to this that no one probably saw called Crazy in Alabama. So I bring you, for the role of Jamie, a Dakota Johnson pre-50 Shades of Grey. And she is 19 years old in 2008. And this was a couple of years before her debut in The Social Network. Something like that. I, I just see her in that role. And I think she, she's shown the acting chops in the future. Yeah, I thought she'd be a good addition to Face Off 2008. Yeah, I, I think Dakota Johnson, one of our nepotism babies of Hollywood, uh, mm-hmm. I think she's shown herself to have some range and ability outside of those Fifty Shades of Grey movies. And she can definitely lines up for this role pretty well, I would say. 
So Cass, who do you have to counter? Speaking of Nepo babies, well, it's she has more of a famous aunt. I won't get into the topic. I personally don't like this actress, um, but I can see her in this role. She was a Nickelodeon kid. She had her own show. I think I don't remember how many seasons I did watch the show growing up. Um, and the movie beforehand was Nancy Drew. I went with Emma Roberts. Emma Roberts, a a potential scream queen. Is she? Has yes. she been given that title now? I th- I think so. I think she been... is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm just, I I would give. I'd like say she could be a scream queen for a very short but, period of time, but I think Jenna Ortega has taken that from her as the modern. Yes, movie. I can but agree. Jenna with Ortega that. has taken everything from everyone this year. So <laughs> that's true. But yeah, Emma Roberts was in two movies that really weren't like super big. No one, I don't think, really knows of them. It's Lime Life and it's just Wild Child. And then she did a voice acting thing for an animation called The Flight for Christmas. So looking at both of them, here's where I think I'm going to go with this. I, I like I like Dakota Johnson better as as a person. <laughs> I'm not. I'm with Cass where... I'm not the biggest fan of Emma Roberts, but when you're talking about a teenager going through their rebellious phase and kind of where they're not super likable for part of it, but you're still concerned for them given the circumstances of you're trying to keep the caster Troy from basically hurting them for lack of a better word. I think I'm going to go with Emma Roberts here. She is a name right now that people will recognize. So there, it plays into that a little bit, but I do think that she is also someone that you can definitely see being, <clears throat> you can see being the angsty teenager. And then yeah, when their 100%. life is in peril, you're suddenly going, okay, well we got to get her out of this situation as much as a pain <laughs> in the neck. She's been to everybody. Right. Uh, no one should be put in this situation. Yeah. So Emma Roberts is who I'm going to roll with. I like both choices. We're starting off strong. Corey, any thoughts? No, no. I, I thought those were both really good picks. Um, I, I think you went safer with Emma because if we had casted Dakota um, and Don Johnson didn't get one of the leads, I would have burned this podcast to the ground. <laughs> so I think you're I think you're playing it safe. I like it. I like it. Well, I'm actually going to jump up out of order because I think we should start with Dietrich. Hassler, um, because okay. I like Nick Cassavetes, but I don't think his character is as important as his sister's. I'd like to take his his face off. Oh. Excuse me, I have to use the little boy's wee-wee room. Cass. You want to take his face yes his face oh the eyes nose skin it's coming off face dietrich hassler played by nick cassavetes um uh people know him from the astronaut's wife uh alpha dog also uh terrific 80s movie called The Wraith in which Charlie Sheen turns into a killer car. Um, (laughs) Phenomenal movie, if you will. Classic. Um, He's, Castor Troy's like a pseudo brother-in-law. I don't know if him and Sasha, I don't know if Castor and Sasha ever, you know, got married. 
Um, it's an odd relationship, yeah. Yeah, but um, Dietrich is uh, Sasha's brother, and I guess partner in crime to Caster Troy. Um, he just he's just another like a uh, underground domestic terrorist type of dude. You don't pick your family, okay? That's <laughs> that's just how it works. That, that's true. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Your sister comes home. It's like, I'm dating a guy. Who? It's like, oh, wow, I've heard of him. He's murdered a lot of people. <laughs> so, <laughs> that guy. But he has the honor of getting to have the scene, the scene of the movie with Nicolas Cage in which they're doing the weird hand thing and just repeating face off over and over again. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a fan of movies saying the title of the movie, this is the greatest scene in cinema for you. <laughs> there, there was a line, but they didn't remember it, so they yeah. just kept saying face, face <laughs> off. Just keep saying it. Oh, that, that'll be the title. Okay. Alright, it's a small role, but it's excellently played by Nick Cassavetes, who I actually think Nick Cassavetes is known for being like a pretty great director as well Am I making he directed up? alpha dog yeah. actually so that's sick like that's great okay awesome um yeah dude, dude nick cassavetti's directed the notebook this is great okay that's why he's on this list <laughs> what in the world <laughs> so, really yeah the bald guy who's who's brother to nicholas cage's girlfriend the uncle to his child in this movie and gets shot in the throat directed the and who kisses his sister right on the lips that guy directed the notebook so um so nick this is you Okay, so as as per the rules of Quantum Recast, you make it, you take it. So Cass, you will be up first to give me your Dietrich. So this, now this one is the one that I struggled with the most. It is a fun role, but the, the character itself cre- creeped me out just with the whole sister thing. And I just felt like he was always just kind of, you know, out there. I, I had two options. And I feel like I'm still debating between the two. I have the one written down. I went Matthew Lillard. Interesting. Wow. I took him out of a movie called Spooner. Um, that was the only thing that he was doing that year. There was just, I, I, from what I saw, it was almost like he took a break around that time. Playing Shaggy is a challenging role. So Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I don't care. Screw you. <laughs> yeah, I went Matthew Lillard. That's it. I just I can see him just kind of doing that like little crazy role of that little yeah. banter with no, the it, face off. It, it plays for sure. It's very it, works. it definitely delves into his SLC punk kind of thing. Yep. It, it, we're forgetting Scream, obviously. Right. I think that yeah. you think of that role I mean, especially and yeah. and you're you're like, okay, yeah, I can see him definitely doing this. Okay. Wow. Well, Ash, Matthew Lillard is on the board, so show me what you got. Well, I'm a very big fan of Matthew Lillard, and I think that's a very good pick. So, yeah, Thank my you. compliments for that pick. Um, I, don't, I almost don't want to pick this guy over him, but I've gone <laughs> a completely different direction. I haven't gone for someone physically towering. I've gone for someone quite menacing with um, his acting, and I wanted mm-hmm. a really good actor for this. I really wanted a great actor for this. And so I bring you, I bring you Oscar Isaac. He has got a face that you just do not want to annoy. And I love his acting. He does the same sort of role a year later in Drive. He does it in Robin Hood a year before. So he's already been established as that antagonist. Yeah. Um, This year, he's actually doing Bodies of Lies, that Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Russell Crowe film. He's not in a big part in it. So I'm happy to take him off. And he's got that intensity glare about him, which I think is quite menacing. So, yeah, that's who I've got against Mr. Lillard, Mr. Oscar Isaac. Yeah, interesting. 
Matthew is leaning a bit into the original's idea, a little over the top, a little uh, scatterbrained kind of a character, but also on edge, you're not sure what he's going to do. And with Oscar, you would get a little bit more of a subversive kind of thing, a, a subtleness, but also the menace that you were talking about. Because Oscar Isaac, yeah, this is basically he's starting to get into bigger roles. He was in the Nativity story in 06, Body of Lies, and then a Robin Hood in 10, actually. And Matthew, he's already kind of had his, <clears throat> what I would kind of say, his biggest run at that point. Which, well, just maybe to help, which one do you think would be more likely to kiss his sister? Matthew. Probably Matthew. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with Matthew Lillard because I do want that that energy he's providing. I liked the menace, but I think that with Matthew, it, the scream kind of energy where you're like, this guy yeah. is crazy. And he literally, <laughs> he could be laughing at me one minute and then he might stab me in the throat the very yeah. next second. I do. I do like that. Would he be bald in this, though? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. We're shaving that head. Yeah, his hair off. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. His hair's oh, yeah. gone. Commit to the role. Yeah. Okay. Matthew Lillard is on the board, which means we're moving on to Dietrich's um, sister, Caster's lover and the mother of his child, Sasha Hassler, played by Gina Gershon. Hey, baby. Sasha, what the fuck are you doing here? Gee, Archer, I guess I'm crashing. You okay, baby? Yeah, thanks. Sasha, baby. I'm Caster. That's Archer. And I'm bored. I think an intrinsic role to the movie, it kind of, her her whole goal, like her whole point in the movie is to humanize Caster Troy. Sean seeing yeah. that Caster has like this ability to feel for another person, um, has a, mm-hmm. a girlfriend and has a child with her. And like, you know, but Gina Gershon, best known for showgirls um, as well as, you know, Killer Joe. Um, yeah, written by Tracy Letts. What? But that—that's—that's that's the main goal here. Is like she—she's kind of just the antithesis of Sean Archer's wife. I mean, she's like the more sexy femme fatale, but it's still yeah. meant to humanize the villain. It acts as a—it acts as the flip side to Sean Archer's marriage because it's it, when we start the movie, he's very much in kind of a loveless marriage to an extent, and so she kind of presents this opportunity, this this more wild lifestyle that Sean is just not familiar with in his more buttoned up life. So it's that temptation that's there for sure of like, she's, she's a bit of that femme fatale a little bit. Yeah. I think like, I, again, I think this movie doesn't get enough credit for some of the themes it plays with in that this entire scene is meant to humanize Caster, but it's also meant to like tempt Sean Archer as like, yes. Whoa, this is how they live. This is just drugs mm. and sex. And like, maybe this isn't so bad because I'm stuck in suburbia. And poor Gina Gershon, she went from this to Showgirls, and everyone's career in that movie just died. It it went it went the way of the dinosaurs, sadly. You know, Kyle MacLachlan survived. Kind of, yeah, I, I guess survived. so. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> so again, make it, take it, uh, Cass. You've you're, you're you're on a roll here. So let's see what you've got for Sasha. There's a lot of picks that I wanted, but they were all in movies I didn't want to take them out of. Okay. So like. Penelope Cruz was like the first person I thought of. Yeah, yeah. Charlize Theron was also on my on my mind. Okay. Uh, Angelina Jolie, I was like, that would actually work for her if Wanted didn't come out that year. Yeah, she's pretty yeah. much playing the same role in in a in a way. So I kind of went a little different, little 
strange. Um, she's, I believe it was before Avatar. I went Zoe Saldana. Interesting. Okay. All right. Love she, me some Zoe. The box she, office queen now. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I'm only taking her out of vantage point. I've not seen Vantage Point. Uh, it seems that Ash had a reaction. <laughs> like, I was like, I was say, I was like I'm Ash. doing it because I'm losing. Dennis Quaid, come on. Yeah, Dennis Quaid's in it. I, I remember them pitching it, and I see the trailers and being like, I kind of want to watch this movie, and then it just kind of disappeared. Because, yeah, she could play the more fiery side of this character of Sasha, right. but then she definitely can bring the human element and make you kind of care and, and root for her to kind of make it out of this mess, basically. Right. Ash, hello. What do you got? Annoyingly, I love Zoe Saldana, so that is annoying to compete against her. No, no, no. Downplay it. Downplay yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That uh, I hate her now. What, what awful actress! Like, uh. well, I'm two 0 down, so I need to make some risks here. I casted Sasha based on her relationship with my caster. Mm-hmm. Okay, you'll know her from a few films, supporting roles, but she does make it quite big in rom coms later on. I bring you Rose Byrne. Um, you'll know her as Briseis from Troy. She's in Bridesmaids. Yes. yes. She's an Australian actress who's made her mark in Hollywood. Um, I think she's very sexy in terms of how she portrays herself. For sure, yeah. For and sure. she's mm-hmm. done action roles as well. She's quite a tough little cookie. So I think she brings some kind of depth to that role of Sasha, which is needed. So yeah, I bring you Rose Byrne. Yeah, Rose Byrne is the she's one of those actresses that just always kind of sits under the radar of breaking mm. through. Like, you know, she yeah. was actually in I'm seeing she was in Sunshine, actually. I forgot she was in that. Twenty eight right. weeks later. I think most people probably will know her from Bridesmaids for sure as the Neighbors. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. See? X Men. Of course, X Men. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 See, she's she pops up all over the place. You've got this is this is a really good matchup here. I really like this. They both bring both bring great things to the table. I am going to go with Rose Byrne because I want I want to see more of her. And I think that this could be a nice little another way to get her like in more films. I think amazing. That is my choice. I think she's going to play off Matthew Lillard really well. And then I think she will do well against whoever we have as Sean Archer and Caster Troy because of her ability to have that range doing doing well and it, it, but scares me because usually when you do well then and then i get worried about what you guys have planned for the top of the list yeah you, you uh, should yeah. be you should be you oh. should be <laughs> yeah, i don't know what i've done here oh. all right we're moving up to again i'm gonna jump around a little bit here i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and oh. t- go i'm gonna i'm gonna go up to pollux troy you exchange brains as well the first thing i need you to confess to is the location of the bomb what about our 10 million dollars what about when I become an American hero for defusing the bomb? What's that worth? Know that. Thank you. Next question. You're not the only one in the family with brains. No. Although now I am the only one with the looks. Touche. Well, Corey's keeping us on our toes. Yeah. Okay. Corey's going to go straight to Caster there. We're going. <laughs> All right. So Caster Troy. <laughs> no. Okay. So uh, Pollux Troy, um, played by uh, Alessandro Nivola. Which I don't recognize the name, though. Every time I watch this movie, I'm like, he looks really familiar. Guy, but uh, yeah. he is known for Jurassic Park and American Hustle and A Most Violent Year. Um, so he's in things. Yeah, Jurassic but... Park, Jurassic Park three, to be exact. Okay, Jurassic Park three, uh, the best Jurassic Park. Nice. <laughs> um, okay, Probably is the younger brother of Caster Troy, Nicholas Cage. Uh, they're very much um, 
uh, antithesis of each other, whereas Caster's the loud, very dangerous Pox is like the quiet brains of the operation. Caster and Pollux very much remind me of a demented, twisted Frasier and Niles Crane from Frasier. <laughs> Caster and Pollux both named for uh, Greek twin half-brothers in Greek mythology, um, and so oh, that's why they have indeed. such interesting names. Uh, Pollux essentially gets uh, thrown in jail, and that's why we have to switch faces. He knows where the location of a bomb is that's going to blow up Los Angeles, and so they have to take Sean Archer, slap Caster's face on him to go into prison. They could have tortured him. They could have. They could have. They could have tried to hypnotize him. No, let's. We're going to rip someone's deal. face off. I love it. I do. Oh my God. I love that this movie works. For so it should never have worked, but it does. Uh, I don't know if Nick knows this, but the magnetic shoes they wear in the prison, did you recognize them? Are they the Mario boots? They are the they are the Mario boots. They're literally just props from the Mario movie. It's just the same design and everything. Oh my god. Does that mean the Mario Brothers movie is, is in the same world as, as Face Off? Don't do that, Nick. It's, it could oh be. Oh god. So, Pollux Troy, we need a brainy younger brother. That's what we need. So, uh, make it take it, Ash. You've you have taken the rock back, as they say. So tell me who you've got for Pollux. I needed someone who was quite challenging to our uh, our cast of Troy. So I needed someone who wanted. I, I changed the character a little bit. I wanted him a bit more intimidating than he was in the original. So I've gone for a bit of a, a weird one. He's twenty nine years old in this movie. He's one of my favorite actors. He's definitely up and coming right now. I think he's the new Leo, in my opinion. So I bring you Jesse Plemons. Oh. He's in real life married to Kirsten Dunst. He's in my favorite episode of Black Mirrors. He was in The Irishman. He was in Game Night, if you've seen that. Yeah. He Wasn't was, um, he in Antlers? Yes, he was in yeah, Antlers. Okay. That's what I thought. Power of the Dog. Yeah, and he's now taken lead and man status back. Uh, now in 2020 but yeah i think right now in 2008 i think this would be a good role for him to sort of stretch the potential he clearly has yeah i think yeah most audiences will know him from his breaking bad run as todd yeah he's got a very familiar face a lot of people say he looks like a very overweight matt damon but he's apparently lost a lot of weight right now Uh, (laughs) i didn't say that that's what they say I, I I think it's fascinating you call him the new Leo. I've kind of thought of him as like the new Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like, yeah, just, yeah. His presence is so massive. Like, absolutely. I think he owns every role he's this in. This is currently during his Friday Night Lights run. I think he might have been twenty from the math that I was just doing. Did I do the math? It shows that he would have been twenty and oh, eight. You are right, Kath. He was. Yeah, you're right. Twenty years old. Which it, to me that doesn't, it doesn't matter. Really, because yeah, it's not a big issue because I'm gonna veto it and say Cat or Ash needs to come up with a new actor right now. <laughs> I do have another or, actor in mind. No, I'm kidding, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. My <laughs> abacus is broken. All right, Cass, oh. uh, tell me who you got. Um, I went Joseph Gordon Levitt. Gordon Levitt on the board. Okay, because it's not like Pollux is like awkward i don't even know if it was ever diagnosed on what he was like what he had because he was Mm -hmm. just out there i can see them talking in the beginning like when they're about to get on the plane and i can like envision like how reserved how weird that pollux would be so joseph gordon levitt can do that sort of role and then i think could still kind of like 
freak you out like a little bit where it's like, all right, he is a little creepy. He's going to like wave at the uh, two way mirror when they're like watching the tapes back and stuff for him to say what caster's like intentions are. Gordon Levitt, he's just come off of The Lookout the year prior, which was kind of a big movie for him. And then this year he's doing Stop Loss, Miracle at Santa Ana, The Brothers Bloom in an uncredited role. This is the year before 500 Days of Summer and uh, his role as Cobra Commander in G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's, it's hard not to just cast him just based on that. But thinking of the, of the role of the character, I think Joseph, not to say he's the safer choice, but I feel like it's a one for one. Like, yeah, he's going to line up perfectly with uh, Alessandro. Yeah, I'm going Jesse Plemons because I just think there's okay. an off kilterness to him that will add to the character as well. Even even with the younger age, I think he's he's not the type of guy you look at and can say like, oh, he's clearly a teenager. Like, I think he's got a face that can play up as well as down. So, yeah, put it down, Corey, please, as Jesse Plemons. All right. Corey, any thoughts? No, other than so far, if I was director, Cass would be on her way to a shutout. I'm just going to say Oh, wow. I would have swung the other way the last two myself. Well, who do we have next? We're going to Eve Archer, who is Sean Archer's wife. I was hoping you'd come here. Thank you for trusting me. Right now, I don't trust anyone. Eve, where'd you get that gun? I took it from my fake husband. Put it down. No, I'm sure they're kind of in this loveless marriage. You know, they, you know, um, obviously they've been married for a while, which in of itself presents its challenges. But they're also the grieving parents of a dead child. I'm sure there's a lot of blame going back and forth. We essentially have like a compacted movie of marriage story taking place in Face Off. Face Off did it first. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, pretty much. we just see the John Travolta just telling Eve at some point, I wish you were dead. <laughs> you know, it's. <laughs> Punching the wall. I wish you were dead. She plays an important role, obviously, when John Travolta, wearing the face of her son's killer, approaches her. She does the blood test, finds out that it's true, that's actually her husband, and that she's actually cheated on her husband with the man who killed her son. It's We've got some like Rob Zombie horror movie stuff actually going on Literally. under the surface, oh my God. Yeah. which brings the most asked question about this movie. Not all penises look the same. So is it just been that long? Right. Did they actually yeah. switch genitalia and maybe they just didn't bring it up at the Institute? I didn't even think about that. I mean, That was a conversation my mom literally was asking out loud to me, her, my dad. Like, oh, wow. Just being like, why wouldn't she? Like, I said, you don't know. They might have done that. She was like, no, I, because it's not important to have the, <laughs> the piece different. For all we know, they're saying Pollux might recognize <laughs> Caster's penis in the prison showers. Like, we have to go full force here, guys. Like, we can't take any chances. It turns out that their penises match, sir. They're a perfect match. Perfect match. We took baths together. Like, I, I know what it looks like. That or the doctor's like, bad news, Sean. Cash, uh, Caster was uncircumcised, so we're going to have to... <laughs> 
we're gonna have to reverse your circumcision. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the thing. It's a plot point, and everyone kind of goes, "Really? She didn't like notice? Like maybe maybe oh, Caster turned God. the lights off? I don't know." I think it's... she was that desperate yeah. for sex it was that months. she probably just didn't care in that moment. Yeah, exactly. She was like, "Right, we're going. We're, we're doing this. We're doing this." You always had that mole. Uh, yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, the question had to come up. It had to come up. It's often asked. So yes, Eve Archer, loving wife. Ash, you made it. So tell me who you have chosen for Eve Archer. I wanted to reinvent this role. I wanted her to be a bit more powerful. I wanted her to have a bit more of a presence because she is quite an important character in this movie. This is who Sean comes to at the end. And I don't mm. think she used that well in the movie. So I wasn't okay. afraid to give this to a really attractive striking individual so i bring you and i hope i've got the maths right here cast double check um alicia vikander and she is oh. 29 years old you'd know her as the recent tomb raider ex machina she's got very gentle features she's married to michael fassbender they did a film together the reason i picked her she plays the wife of a very strange situation in a danish girl in a way, she's already played that role in that movie before. I aged her. What age? Oh, God. Oh God. oh, God. oh, God. How old is she? She's 20. What is wrong with my maths? <laughs> I'm going to write a report to IMDb. They keep screwing me over here. So do you want to change your, your, your potential I have, answer? I have a backup. Is she old enough to drink? <laughs> I'm double checking now if she is old enough to drink. Keep in mind, am. she has to have a teenage daughter. Yeah, she's actually a free agent this year. And I think she was more established in a David Lynch film in the 90s. Um, so I bring you Naomi Watts in this role. Oh, okay. uh, You'll probably yeah. know her from The Ring. Um, yes. Mulholland Drive. I think she was excellent in that movie. Got a lot of range. She's done a few series as well. Uh, King Kong's probably what you probably know her from in 2005. She does a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say artsy films, but just not big mainstream stuff a lot of, a lot of yeah. the time. Oscar movies. She, I mean, she's, yeah. she, played, she played Diana. She was in St. Vincent. Yeah. And she, she has a cl- classic kind of beauty to her. Like you could kind of style clothing, playing the mom at home, but she has the depth and range as an actress to kind of pull out those things that we were talking about or kind of want more for the character than just to be the housewife. Okay, Cass, so while, while Ash is doing some math, tell us who you have for Eve Archer. I was in the mindset that she would be older because mm-hmm. I was I was more thinking along the lines of like her and Sean not being able to have another child again, where it's like that struggle where it's like, OK, we lost a kid. Mm-hmm. She's kind of hit that age range where it's going to be harder for her to have a kid. So who I picked first was 50 at the time. But I was just like, I don't know if I want to go too far into that. It's tough because I feel like she might be too big for this role like i feel like she's too famous but if we so say just, that eve is see, actually are you selling me the person or <laughs> yeah I, you know what i'll just go with it um i'm not even gonna go with what i also wrote down I, I i did say michelle pfeiffer michelle pfeiffer okay she was only doing a movie with ashton kutcher called personal effects 
Well, we can't take her out of that, so I'm just going to have to go with Ash's choice. So. Classic. <laughs> no, I love Michelle Pfeiffer. She was brought up, uh, I think, last episode in our in our uh, GoldenEye castings as well, I think. Ooh. Um, so she's, she's yeah, a favorite probably. here. She, I think she, she's the type that a lot of people might just look at her just for her looks, especially in movies like Scarface, but mm-hmm. and uh, Batman Returns. But I think people often forget how much range she has and how she, she, she herself professes herself to be very much a smaller actor, much more subtle. And I think that that can play well with uh, a mother type of role. So here I'm going to go with Naomi Watts and. I'm basically looking at it because I have two excellent choices. Neither one's going to be bad, but logically I'm sitting there going, I can play up or down Naomi Watts a little better in terms of age, depending on who we play with Caster and Sean. Cass, you would have lost me there. What? Your shutout would have ended there. I would have I gone with Naomi Watts. Here's the problem with Michelle Pfeiffer. She's a sex symbol to a degree in Hollywood. Right. I'm not going to buy a loveless marriage. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Who married to Michelle Pfeiffer's not having sex with Michelle Pfeiffer? It's just, you know, that problem's not coming up in her marriage. You also have to look at it as how, like, she's not going to be really wearing makeup like that. Her hair is going to be all dolled up. She's going to be this mom look, not just Michelle Pfeiffer. At the beginning of Batman Returns, I'm supposed to think she's unpresentable. She's not. She's Michelle Pfeiffer. She's not. She's she's gorgeous. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's they true. did a really bad job of making her unattractive. Yeah, it's Batman. the biggest fall of Batman Returns. She's like in her apartment and she's like, oh, men hate me. And I'm like, no, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> they love you. False. It's not even that I wanted Michelle Pfeiffer, but Naomi Watts was on a hiatus because she had children at the time. So from t- she stopped oh, acting no. around 2007, and then after a short hiatus from acting following the birth of her two children, Watts returned to acting in 2009. So what does the rule say to this, Nick, Corey? This thing I've always used, I've always used jail as like the example. I've never used we've never thought, pregnancy. We've never thought from the female perspective, Corey, we're, oh, we're idiots. Oh, no, I've never considered oh, maternity leave. <laughs> oh. Okay, let, let's uh, let's break this down. Is maternity leave part of being? Well, I guess it, you would be unavailable oh, for that. No, here's the thing. This is the United States. Naomi Watts doesn't get maternity leave. <laughs> oh my god! You get <laughs> she gets like she did, we are, Corey. <laughs> apparently, she, gets, she, she did. gets two days off. I will counter that argument and say in the profession they're in, you can't get maternity leave because there are some actresses that play while they're still pregnant. Yeah, uh, Kate Blanchett being one. Rihanna just performed the Super Bowl pregnant. I'm just saying she took a break. I'm literally just going to have to make an executive decision here. Yes. (laughs) Every time we've ever casted someone as a free agent, there's a decent chance they were taking off. For a personal reason, maybe death, marriage, family. And so I'm going to allow Naomi Watts to stay. In 2008, Naomi Watts is breastfeeding her newborn child. And then a phone booth time machine comes comes out of nowhere (laughs) and says, hey, we're quantum recast. She has to leave the set to like breastfeed every like every like 10 minutes. And we're going to be a progressive set that allows it, Kat. Exactly. 
All right. so, it's a very good point, though. It's a very good point to revise the rules. Maybe, yeah, it is. I applaud. I applaud. I applaud that. That was. That was. That was. That was next level. Moving on, uh, we're going to start with uh, our hero. <laughs> um, our villain's going to get top casting here, even though again the different actors play them. But we're going to start with Sean Archer, played by John Travolta. Wait, you good looking? Hot. It's like looking in a mirror, only not. Now that is between us. Okay. But you were... In a coma? Nothing like having your face cut off to disturb your sleep. Read the newspaper lately? Um, which is so confusing, because it's like, I'm, I'm, we're casting a character who's played by two different actors. So I, yes. we're, we're, we're casting Sean Archer as played by John Travolta. So the good Sean Archer that appears at the beginning and end of the movie but knowing that the actor you cast is going to spend most of his time playing caster troy can we bill and ted this Corey? do we do, can we reserve the right that if i can't make a choice that we can move on to caster troy i was going to ask how the director wanted to play this sometimes mm. with certain roles you need to hear all the choices on the board so you mean have all four names all four names before you make a choice on either of them Sometimes Correct. that's how we've yes. done it in the past, it, upon the director's request. I mean, this is an unusual thing. In a weird way, we're casting Sean Archer, but also Caster Troy and vice versa. So I believe when we casted it in the first time that Corey and I just literally did them together. Like we were like, we this is these are the pairings. And then we went through like 50 pairings. All of- I remember is you pitching Michael Jackson and Prince to me. And I was like, I had that's going to be <laughs> a baller soundtrack. And I don't know if it's a good movie. Interesting. Starting with Sean Archer, again, played by John Travolta. He is an FBI agent whose son is murdered by our villain, Gaster Troy. Um, and then in in pursuit of finding a bomb, switches faces with the villain, <laughs> goes into prison to find out where the bomb is. Only to one day find that the villain has woken up and taken his own face and absorbed his own life. Again, we're casting John Travolta as the good guy, but knowing that he will spend the majority of the movie playing the bad guy. The actor that I am casting for this, I am taking him out of a lot of films. A lot of films that people know him from. So I'm taking a risk here. These three films, I believe, are nostalgic at the best, but I am willing to remove him from these movies and put him in this movie because I would love to see him do the villain as Caster, but I believe he's definitely got the Sean Archer quality. I bring you Brendan Fraser. I have just seen the range he has the ability to do. I can Mm -hmm. see his range and bedazzled. I can see that maniac, psychotic role he could do as Caster Troy. He's Definitely Sean Archer. The question is, will you take him out of the third Mummy movie, Inkheart, and Journey to, or Journey to the Center of the Earth? Those are the three films you'll be taking him out of. And I, don't, I just want to see him play Caster Troy too, because I think he could do it. Yeah, this is the obviously we've talked about Brendan Fraser on previous episodes and 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 some of the blacklisting that went on with him, and we're super happy that he's back in movies. And I believe this is about the point where right after this yeah. and Inkheart, uh, it kind of drops off for him. You know, And he, this is sort of the he, sacrifice I think we should do. Save his 10-year career. Okay, I, I see the logic there. I, I like the logic. 
on on multiple levels behind the scenes on on screen i love the first mummy the second mummy i love most of it the third mummy i kind of just don't act like it exists that's a good start journey to the center of the earth i know that there's a rock sequel i i hear it's decent i've never seen it's, it it's okay it's, yeah. it's decent and it's, it's the same with Inkheart. i've kind of heard the same things about Inkheart. like it's enjoyable um not gonna set the world on fire if you erase pull him out of it so cass while we have brendan frazier who do you have i had one pick i don't know why i could vision this actor like as sean archer (sighs) this actor has a weird thing where he's in some decent movies but i think he's always just going to be better in tv shows So I would like to see him in this sort of like leading role just because it it is his range. He he would do really, really well as playing as just Sean Archer, but then also doing the Cassier Troy. I went Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He was in Watchmen. Uh, People know him from The Walking Dead as Negan. Uh, 2008, he was in Days of Wrath. Yeah. And The Accidental Husband. And then he was, I think, like in probably a few different episodes of Grey's Anatomy around that time. That was kind of the mindset that I was in, was trying to think of the overacting for Negan. And then he was also in The Losers that came out two years after. So that's why a part of me was also glad that Zoe Saldana wasn't picked. Just think he would play a really, really good Sean. He has played father figures. He has played that sort of role. So. Okay, Nick, are you still wanting to move on to Caster Troy? I am. Um, The note I was going to just quickly give on Jeffrey Dean Morgan is I think from an acting standpoint, I think Cass has the right idea. He can play a dad really well. We've seen with his roles, especially comedian and Watchmen, but also as Negan in Walking Dead, that he does have that villainous archetype. I think this. I think that's it's, it's a good choice. I think it's um, right on the money in terms of what uh, the, the range that we are looking for. But I, before I make full comments on either of these completely, let's move on to Caster Troy because I feel like you really can't separate the two. It's just almost impossible. All right, Caster Troy, played by Nicolas Cage, excellently. <laughs> well, you better hit me, Sean, because you only got one bullet left. So do you. Wow. We've got something in common. We both know our guns. What we don't have in common is that I don't care if I live, and you do. Sean, that hurts. You're not having any fun, are you, Sean? Why don't you come with us? Try terrorism for hire. We'll blow some shit up. It's more fun. Shut the fuck up. You watch your fucking mouth! Uh, For the record, again, as we uh, mentioned, this was originally written in the 80s for Schwarzenegger and Stallone, but uh, went into some developmental hell, and other names tossed around for these two roles were Michael Douglas, Alec Baldwin, and Johnny Depp were all uh, considered. Um, So... Castro Troy is a domestic terrorist. Um, he's very larger than life. Um, prone um, has probably the 
two coolest guns in cinema. Uh, the Colton <laughs> guns. Um, For sure. Yeah. Next to all the firearms featured in Romeo plus Juliet, I would say they're up there. The 90s was very uh, gun crazy, oh, I nice. guess, in terms of the oh, guns yeah. needed to be their own character. The 90s were gun crazy. Uh, anyway. Yeah, and so, Prenching uh, <laughs> played very well. Uh, I know that like Nicolas Cage originally didn't want to be in this movie until he was told that for the majority of the movie, he would be the hero um i think he was uninterested in playing a villain um i'm because he was on his con, con air hmm. the rock run yeah and so um i think he was just interested in being heroes at the time and so he had to be told hey most of the movie you're actually a good guy and, um but again it's just a it's it's a crazy fun role and nicholas cage does it super well i like seeing him have to play a lot of the movie toned down but his first five ten minutes in the movie it's just insanity. It's fireworks. It's like they told him, like, hey, this is really the only time you're going to get to be you. So he's like grabbing girls' butts and screaming hallelujah. He's singing with guns to his heads. I mean, it's just insanity, and I love it. Got it. Yes, I can see that Ash and Cass are very, very uh, nervous. <laughs> you could see this, their, their quietness is showing. So to relieve you of the tension, let's, let's get this, let's knock this out the park. Let's get it over with. Let's, I will make Cass go first with this. Why? Since Ash had to go first with, with Sean. What a shame. Fine. Knock him dead, Cass. Okay. Well, here's the thing. Nicolas Cage is Nicolas Cage. You're not going to get someone exactly like that. No. And I was trying to stick to that general area. Mm-hmm. I went with someone who really didn't start making his himself known into like bigger roles when he ended up being in Game of Thrones. I did go with uh, Pedro Pascal. Early start Pedro Pascal. I just look at him <laughs> from Kingsman, which I get it was 2017, but that at least shows you that he does have range. And even with all the stuff that he has done, Yes, they were smaller, but it does show that he is an act like he, he does have acting credits. He could, and I just I think it'd be a good start for him. So like, of course, later on down the road, mm-hmm. they could be like, hey, we like you. We want to hire you in game like for Game of Thrones. So you're trying to you're, you're basically saying we're going to kickstart his career, rocket launch him a little bit here early. A little so bit. That he gets, yeah. He gets a little more attention early on in his career versus. Uh, much many years later right so. yeah I, I think that's a really good card i don't know if you guys have seen the new wonder woman but he plays the villain in that yes. movie yes. the range he shows in that yes. is he's insane. probably the best yeah. part of that yeah. whole movie I would say. yeah and, and that movie is just on crack but he is so composed in that and the, the i think that's very nicholas cage-esque the way he does that yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure but, yeah for i think sure. that's a very good cast and I, I really like pedro at the moment he's like yeah. the hot shit right now so yeah yeah, he, he, he he's really the is. Jenna Ortega now. Yeah, so. exactly. Just the male version. <laughs> okay, first off, I want to apologize for this, but at the same time, there is an explanation for why I've gone for this act. Sorry, not sorry. Got it. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's a sorry, not sorry. Um, I hope for, hopefully you guys can see through the madness of this casting, but let me just explain it. I needed a big name. I needed a name that everyone knows because that was what was so big about Face Off that they had these big names for this really weird movie. So I needed a name everyone knew about. So I got a big name. Uh huh. The thing is, 
He is not known for these kind of movies, yet he has done this role before. He has played antagonistic roles, and I think he does them very well. So I've gone for someone who's exactly the same height as Brendan Fraser. He's two years younger okay. than Brendan Fraser, so they marry up in terms of the character. So I'm going to bring you a free agent this year, and you'll know the name right off the bat, but think about it. Vince Vaughn. He has played a villain before he played the comedic rom-com roles. He was very good in Psycho, even though I hated that movie. Domestic Disturbance, to bring some kind of love to it with John Travolta. He was the bad guy in True Detective. He does have the capability to play a villain, and I think he's a very good villain, but he has unfortunately been typecast as the rom-com guy at the moment. But I just think Vince Vaughn can do crazy, and I think he can do it quite well. And there's no one close to Nicolas Cage. No one can take that role away from him. That role is him personified. So I went for something a little different, and I went for someone who could marry up to Brendan Fraser at that time of the year. And I think they're both at a point where they're recognized, but are drifting away in 2008. So that's why I went with Vince Vaughn for Caster Troy. And uh, yeah, a bit far-fetched, but yeah, that's who I've got on the table for him. Very interesting. I know Corey wants to say something, but I'm. I'm no, I, I no, know he's I'm, keeping, I'm just. I'm, I'm, he, he's he's Switzerland right now. <laughs> he's ready to pounce. I can see. I, he, I I just felt like I heard the pain in his voice. Yeah, I know. I, I knew. I, was, I knew. He. I knew. There's something he's going to have to say about Vince Vaughn. I was like, oh god. Oh, mm. I was going to say even. I think just both of our choices. I figured he was going to say something. No, no, no. I'm 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 letting Nick do this. I am of the opinion that I enjoy Vince Vaughn a lot. I I like I like Wedding Crashers. I like Dodgeball. I like when Vince Vaughn steps out of the comedic world and tries to do a little bit more dra- drama or something outside of that box that he's been put in, especially in this era. And right now, he's kind. It's it's in that world. He's I, I, I'm not I'm not quite gelling with you on this on this particular thought process, Ash. I like it. I like the ballsiness. I like the the gamble that you're attempting, but it's not quite what I'm looking for. Brendan, I love. I love that idea. I think that he has the range that you're that we're talking about for one of these roles. I think where you might have gone wrong only is the only problem is that had this been face off 2018, I think you're right on the money. I think that like I would sit there and be like, yes, get get Pedro in there. Let's get it rocking and rolling. So here's what I'm going to do. I will take Brendan Fraser, but I'm going to use my, I'm going to pick him f- out of the two choices for Sean Archer. And then I'm going to use my override for caster Troy. So I'm using both my power ups here. So in this world, uh, Brendan Fraser, I'm going to put him in the caster Troy role because I feel like of the two actors I have in mind, he's going to be able to go to 11 better at the beginning, and then we'll get to see the more subtle leading man, Brendan Fraser, throughout the rest of the movie. My override and switching into the Sean Archer role, people might have something to say about it, but he's in two movies. One, people don't uh, 
seem to really remember or care about. And then one was a, a decent, notable movie for him because he was reunited with a, a former castmate. I'm going to put Leonardo DiCaprio there. Mm. Other than Man in the Iron Mask, we, we don't, he hasn't done full heel in a while. We won't see that again until Django Unchained. Mm. And so I want him to play buttoned up Sean Archer at the beginning and then let his heelness just go nuts when he is fake Sean Archer in the second half of the movie. Well, then what the hell did we switch Eve Archer out for Vikander for? She was perfect. <laughs> because this hey, is a movie. Whoa. It's not real life, Corey. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just. I'm. I'm just taking low shots at Leo. I'm sorry. It, you. Are, it's, I, okay. I, it's okay. <laughs> I. I have a lot to say, but I. I. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I have too much. I feel to like say. now I am trying to process. Tr- What's Leo doing? What's Leo doing in 2008? In 2008, Body of Lies and Revolutionary Road. Revolutionary Road. That's the Sam Mendes yes, film. That's the Sam Mendes reuniting with Kate Winslet uh, drama piece. I believe mm. they were. May, may have gotten some nominations for it. I have not seen it, which is which is to be one hundred percent honest. I hear it's a great movie. It's a fun. It's basically Marriage Story, but darker. Yeah, it's it, right. So, but I'm I'm willing to gamble. I'm willing to pull it out for the sake of of having some fun and and burning some bridges a bit or burning things down, as you, if you will say. So I think I do think I think Ash is right in that star power is 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 important when you're considering where the actors are at this time and place. And I also think that the, t- the actors placing them properly is, is also important. I think Brendan Fraser can play either. I think that Leo's going to do better as Sean Archer and be, it'll be more menacing when he's, when the, when the faces are swapped. I can see it. Yeah. I can visualize it. It's, didn't even think about leo and he's probably one of the biggest names at the time leo's the kind of guy at this point especially when he matures you could pretty much he's he's just he's gonna be a big name he's a de niro you know he's that kind of harrison ford type i mean brandon's staying i'm happy what a cast what do you think <laughs> i mean i completely wiped wiped the floor of her choices so i'm, I'm sure she's not i was gonna say 100 happy with it it's just an it was just an interesting turn of events <laughs> Is all it was. Not even just the the fact that mine got thrown out. It's just Leo was not in the mindset at all. It's like we're starting him into do like it's just too spot on and you're already making his career just exactly that. Sometimes, like we've said before, you know, sometimes the spot on casting isn't necessarily a bad thing. This is a big movie star vehicle. Because like we've talked about it, it's in other in other people's hands it, it looks like a B movie or something that, that Steven Seagal or someone is in. And the the selling of the movie from the original was that you've got two big stars playing each other in this over the top kind of crazy John Woo movie. Corey, thoughts? I think you did what you had to do. Um because <laughs> I think it all really fell apart at the end. Um <laughs> it, 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 it's just cause here's my thinking. The beauty of Face Off is you had two of the biggest movie stars in the world, which is where Pedro and Jeffrey Dean don't work in 2008, in my opinion. And then Brendan Fraser is great, but I do think you put him in the wrong role. I think Brendan should be chewing up scenery most of this movie. Uh, uh, I think it'd be more fun. 
Where I'm confused is that in 2008, the free agency pool was so amazing. I mean, you had Hugh Jackman and Denzel Washington. You had Brad Pitt, Johnny Depp. You had Ryan Gosling, Jake Gyllenhaal. Just Brad Pitt was not available. He was burn after reading and Benjamin Button. So, oh yeah, you're right. You're right. But I mean, at the same time, I could care less about either of those movies. I think they were important in 2008, and then they went yeah. away because it's just it's no one goes back and cries foul on ben- Benjamin Button not winning an Oscar. I don't know. That's just <laughs> I expected more. It's okay. <laughs> Next time, Corey's going to be making sure he directs. <laughs> I, I think so, you, yeah. I'm not giving you people anything else. Um, it's fine. I'm it's going, fine. It's fine. I'm like, I'm like it's, it's, it's fine. I'm going to cry as soon as we get off this. Because we've uh, gone uh, a little lengthy, I'm going to go ahead and, Nick, have you read the cast. For- so, the final cast for Face Off in 2008. Uh, Jamie Archer will be played by Emma Thompson. Sasha Hassler will be played by Rose Byrne. Dietrich Hassler, the brother, will be played by Matthew Lillard. Eve Archer will be played by Naomi Watts. Pollux Troy, the brother, will be played by Jesse Plemons. Sean Archer will be played by Leonardo DiCaprio. And Castor Troy will get top billing in our version, played by Brendan Fraser. Oh come on! You're giving is Brendan Fraser really getting top billing in? Probably not, to be honest. I mean, in in the Hollywood world, it's gonna be Leo, but and everyone's yeah. gonna, but everyone's gonna come for Brendan. So uh, I, th- I think that I think Brendan could get top billing because he is at that point of his peak just before it starts true. to dismantle. Yeah, this is this yeah. this year would be the kind of the point where the drop off begins because I believe yeah, the yeah. next year is when the blackballing starts because he has exactly. a small role in gi joe and i remember i think joe johnson is the director of that he did it as a way to kind of be like hey i'm trying to give you a bone here because i know you're having some problems yeah we hope you enjoy (laughs) face off 2008 um started off so strong and then it just the wheels came (laughs) off but it's in such a fun way in such a fun glorious way um i love it i think everybody brought their people and sold them well again we are on all major social media platforms. And then I believe next episode, we're having Cass back. We are. We're having Cass back. Cass, would you like to tell the people, the viewers, the listeners, what film and what year we are doing? We are taking Final Destination and putting it into 2015. Interesting. Mm-hmm going to make more people terrified to get on airplanes after exactly. 9-11. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> Jeez. A lot of time has passed. Um, so, um, but for sure. Um, um, that's, that's fun. I watched all those movies like a year ago, and I've already forgotten all of them, so I'll have to rewatch at least this one. Um, yes, so, you do. Okay, cool. And then, uh, Ash, you can be thinking, because you'll be on the following episode. Um, oh, well. That was Face Off 2008. Please join us next time for Final Destination 2015. That'll be a blast. All right. So, um, hope you enjoyed. Say goodnight, Nick. Goodnight, Nick. <laughs>